So for the next four weeks, we're going to explore this uh, relationship between um, the depth of our connection with one another, with God, and this thing we call vulnerability. So what do you think when you hear the phrase daring vulnerability, or even just uh, vulnerability? Does it scare you? Does it uh, conjure up images of being, quote, vulnerable to attack or kind of being unprotected? Well, this morning we're going to talk about it in the context of vulnerable as in being available, as being open. Some might say even being uh, ultra-honest all in an effort to have deeper, more meaningful connections. That's the payoff, okay? Deeper, more meaningful connections with God and one another. I want to start with um, playing with a little phrase that is batted around frequently nowadays in social media and others called curated. Curated. How many of our lives are curated? Well, that's what somebody does when they pose pictures of themselves and their perfect vacation and their perfect kids and their perfect house on social media. They are curating their storyline, which means they are purposely kind of manufacturing um, images that they want you to understand as a part of who they are, part of their storyline. Now, when we look at curated lives, all we see, right, are the good things, the things that you or I want them to see, kind of like my pretty backyard. What you don't see right behind you right now is almost half of the contents of my house shoved out in the yard because we're getting new flooring put in today. Perhaps one of the very first efforts at curating their lives uh, come from Adam and Eve. And we're going to use that story. Matter of fact, we're going to use many stories throughout the book of Genesis in this Unshallow series to understand how different uh, Bible characters have had and seized opportunities for their story to interact with courage and vulnerability. We all know the story of Adam and Eve, don't we? We know it forwards and backwards. I'm going to pick out just some snippets to kind of lay the groundwork for... Uh, what was going on. If you have a Bible, flip with me, because I'm going to go through these pretty fast. Um, at the end of Genesis 1, uh, there's just a simple phrase. It says, God saw everything God had made, and it was supremely good. Not just good, it was supremely good. There you go. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Fast forward then to the end of chapter 2. This comes right after he had created Adam, and then he created a partner for Adam, who named her Eve. And the text says, the two of them were naked, the man and his wife, but they were not embarrassed. So what do we have? We have a garden, we have Adam, we have Eve, and um, they're just living their best life. The next section comes where the serpent enters the picture and entertains Eve with this notion of self-awareness and the gift of knowledge from eating from the tree of good and evil, which had been the tree that who? God said, hey, you can have the run of the place. This is, you know, my plan, but don't, don't go over there. Well, let's pick up with a little bit of the dialogue between uh, the snake or serpent and Eve. Chapter 3, verse 4, the snake said to the woman, you won't die. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful, with delicious food, and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit, ate it, 
and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then they both saw clearly and knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig sleeves together and made garments for themselves. All right. The beginning of, uh, I guess maybe we'll call it Plan B. God puts out this beautiful garden, creates uh, paradise, and uh, Adam and Eve, who perhaps represent you and me, decide that maybe we, we know better. So, um, just a little bit later into the story, the man says to God, I heard, you, I heard your sound in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was naked and afraid, so I hid myself. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So here's what I take from uh, the beginnings of that story. God's original plan was that we would live in this state of vulnerability, this state of uh, bliss, not even aware that we uh, were unclothed, that we uh, were, as they say, naked. And then what happened? We gave in to our own desires, trusted ourselves more than we trusted God's plan, took a bite, and the plan comes crashing down around us. Did you hear what Adam said? I hid from you. I was afraid because I was naked. I was afraid because I was naked. You know, it's interesting how that translates into vulnerability today. That really is kind of the, the essence of it. We make choices. We find ourselves in situations uh, which, in which our curated life goes south, or perhaps because of a choice or an addiction or something, we are carrying around this sense of uh, nakedness. And what do we want to do? We want to uh, piece together our own version of uh, fig leaves. Uh, I was playing with the phrase the other day, a little something I came up with called fig leaf fever. It's when uh, we are so taken by our exposure that we do whatever we can to hide, to build a, a barricade around ourselves, to protect ourselves, to protect our vulnerabilities from you knowing us. Some of you know my story, some of you don't, but I'm going to try to be a little vulnerable this morning and share my own experience with um, the risk of vulnerability and uh, how I uh, am working today to overcome it. It starts a long, long time ago, which is kind of how most stories start. Uh, I was deathly afraid of this whole notion of being known, of uh, being vulnerable. It seemed way too risky, way too, uh, too much at, uh, at stake. Um, so when I was a little guy, little meaning uh, elementary school and junior high, I was bullied. I was overweight. I was nerdy. I was not athletic. I was all the stuff that uh, other people love uh, to pick on. And uh, I learned from that to just kind of uh, keep to myself. In high school, I found my niche and I became full-on 100% band nerd. Man, I loved it. And that was my safe place. Well, what I didn't tell you is that at the age of 11, I was uh, introduced to and exposed to pornography. And from the age of 11 till, um, golly, 50-something, that was my addiction. 
I was addicted to pornography. And um, I was terrified that you or anybody uh, might find out. I avoided deep connections. I avoided folks who would get to know me better. And the way I did that was by pouring into them and uh, asking a lot of questions about their lives, but keeping my life pretty much uh, held back. That, uh, that storyline went on for a long time, through my 20s, through my 40, 30s, 40s, and 50s. I, it was a secret from uh, my wife. It was a secret from everybody I knew. And um, basically, I had created my own uh, shelter, just really fortified with layers and layers of shame that how in the world could uh, me, how could I, how could a pastor have this addiction? And I knew, in my mind at least, that nobody would understand that if and when it ever came out, that that would be uh, the end of life as I knew it, that my marriage would end, my career would end, and I really could see nothing on the other side of, uh, of being known. Well, I lived that way for a really long time till I couldn't live that way anymore. And... Um, in January, I believe it was either 2011 or 2012, I uh, was told one uh, crisp winter morning that I was being let go from employment. And uh, wow, that blew up my world. Uh, a month later, my wife of 32 years said, uh, I'm done and uh, filed for divorce. So something in me snapped and said, hey, Meyer, the two things that you thought always identified who you were are gone. Now might be the time to uh, to just tear down those walls. So I went into therapy and went into a men's group and began exploring this whole notion of being known, of telling the truth, and of uh, releasing all of the stuff I'd been carrying along for so long. So yeah, sure enough, I did, through the help of a great therapist and a great men's group. One day I, I shared my whole story. And man, it just felt like I was just spewing out all this stuff. And I was sweating and I was anxious. And uh, oh man, I was hugely relieved. I told the story and then I, uh, you know, the, the building didn't collapse. A, a guy in the group next to me patted me on the back and said, man, that took a lot of courage. And in that instant, my life experience was reframed. I had always perceived myself as weak and um unable to handle what was coming at me. And with that gift of that word alone, I took on a whole new attitude towards vulnerability. I uh, began to share that story. And every time I did, I became more and more courageous. And uh, if you remember, here at Treach, you all had hired me and took a risk with me. And I shared that story at a men's retreat. Uh, a couple months later, I shared it and I even preached about it in the sanctuary. And um, one of the amazing blessings that came out of that was the number of people who came up to me afterwards and A, said, thank you for sharing your story, and B, let me tell you my story, because they too had a husband or a son or a brother that was addicted to pornography. Friends, all I can tell you is based out of my own experience, my life changed. I felt uh, 10 years younger and 50 pounds lighter. I wasn't carrying around that load of guilt and shame anymore. And it was by stepping out and by taking that risk of hearing, if you would, God in the woods and not being afraid and not hiding, but going to God and saying, God, I need your help. Let's uh, 
can we do this? Can you help me do this? All the different ideas I had had of uh, the outcomes of vulnerability were, uh, were blown away. You know, I used to perceive that uh, weak people would be vulnerable. And uh, in an instant, that went from uh, weakness to strength. And every time I would reshare that, and even now, uh, it feels a little risky, but it also feels like the good and right thing to do. I also thought that um, life as I knew it would, uh, would come crashing down, that nothing good could come from that kind of revelation. Well, what has come from that is uh, the opportunities to support a whole lot of other people, both in the addiction to pornography and their other addictions, including the birth of our program here called Renew. Other men and other women have stepped out of the, uh, the shadows of hiding behind their own fig leaves, shall we say, and they have found deeper and more meaningful connections. Friends, I just, I encourage you today, wherever you are, uh, to find a safe place to share that story. Um, as you begin to take that step, what I can assure you is God will meet you in your hiding place just like God was walking through the garden that evening and Adam heard him and went and hid, God will hear you and find you and give you the strength to uh, step in, to leave the shoreline, the safety of the dry land, to get perhaps you're ready to get ankle deep or knee deep or dive all the way in. You know, there's a scripture from Paul and, and uh, Philippians about says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I believe taking the leap of faith to step into vulnerability is doing just that. It is the beginning of the process of transforming, letting go of um, life behind a wall, which was secluding, which was lonely, which was just a breeding ground for depression and broodiness and a lot of fear to um, the beginning of this transformational journey. I know I am a different person for having done it. I know many people who are different people for having done it. Um, so I guess just in closing, I would encourage you, man, take a risk. If you want to come and talk to me or talk to somebody else who is struggling with being known, uh, the depth, the quality of your life will change tremendously. I promise you. Join me now, friends, as we, uh, we wrap this up with a word of prayer. God, I give you thanks for uh, the strength that you give me to be honest, to name my stuff, to embrace, though, your grace, your mercy, and forgiveness, that I am not defined by uh, my past life, by my addiction, that you know me, you hear me, you called me out of my hiding place, and you welcomed me and called me yours. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Hey guys, as always, man, thank you for all the different ways you give. Um, you know, really, it takes your gifts, your financial gifts, to keep the lights on, to keep all the wheels turning of this great place we call Treach Memorial United Methodist Church. Uh, we make it super easy. If you're technologically minded, grab the QR code and it will take you right to where you need to go. And we, uh, we love receiving your gifts in any other way as well, whether it is financial or gifts of time or gifts of prayer. Please know that they are always, always appreciated. Thank you.